Sports Bizarre. Get into it. Some of these stories you would say that cannot be true. I'm fine to us. <laughs> the hunt for the weirdest. This is mad. It's a masterclass in how not to do things. The most airbrained scheme <laughs> I've ever heard. Strangers. Oh, wow. You can't make this up. Things are only going to get more bonkers. <laughs> most unbelievable. The most genius thing I've ever heard. You say evil. <laughs> I say brilliant. Stories to ever occur. An unparalleled array of deadbeats. <laughs> a mecca for colourful characters. In the world of sport. I had a taste for testicle soup. Can I just stop you for a second? Don't act like you've never done this. Sports Bizarre. Opened his mouth and a sparrow flew out. <laughs> Slept face down with a compass to make sure that his head was pointing north. <laughs> he had so many sixes into the members that they retrieved him to the bar. I better lie down after that. It's time for the leaders of the hunt. It's 10 cent beer night at the ballpark. <laughs> it's Titus O'Reilly and Mick Malloy. Welcome to the very first episode of Sports Bazaar for 2024 with me, Mick Malloy, and your host, as always, doing the heavy lifting, it's Tyson O'Reilly. Oh, Mick, we're back. We're back. Isn't it great? For the first time, I'm guessing uh, all our fans will have missed us. It would have been a while since. We had the summer series where I was interviewing people. I beg your pardon? How'd that work? I told you about this. You mate, you're looking at what me you, like I was cheating say? on you. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> little time out. What, what's the summer series? I interviewed a bunch of people from, you know, Andrew Rule on. Well, Bookie Scan. Huh? Yeah, the, I interviewed uh, these Ryan work? Curtis from The Ringer. He's yeah. gone solo album. I think of it like you've my. Left, they left the band. I thought it was like my acoustic tour. <laughs> I told you about this numerous times. Because people kept coming up and telling me all about it. Yeah, it was great, but it wasn't the same, Mick. I enjoyed the Mets. The Devin Gordon, yeah. Makes you feel better about your own team, doesn't it? It's nice to know that, yeah, there's always someone out there having a worse time of it. So he's a super fan of the New York Mets. And when you do unpack it, that team has let them down in ways over the years that's unimaginable. The title of his book was So Many Ways to Lose. And that was a – so you got the teams that just are no good ever. Uh, Don't ever listen to that. But they're always on the cusp. The teams that almost get there and then fall over every time. Well, it was when my team, Richmond, finished ninth for about 20 years in a row. Yeah. And they had the same capacity to get your hopes up. Every time it looked like it was going to go well. That's the art. You have to get your hopes up. They have to do enough to make you feel. It's no point just being shit-housed. That team are never going to drag you through all the highs and lows of No, when my team, Melbourne, when I knew each for years, it was like we'll win four games for the whole year. That will be it. You're upset, but it's kind of like you had no hope. There was nothing to be crushed we'll anymore. Buckle up for a bit of heartache this year too, by the way. <laughs> That's what I'm tipping. Hey, we're here we are. Piping Hot episode, our first in the old format Yes, uh, for the year. I'm, uh, I'm wonder what you've come back well, with. Because you would have had all summer to stew about I've had all summer to stew about this, but we should mention before we move into the App Shore episode, we've got live shows. Two live shows. Why am I hearing about this for the first time? <laughs> oh, when <no>. are they? <laughs> February 20th. Now, that's oh, sold so out. That's coming around quickly. That's sold out. February 27th has got a few they're tickets. sold out? Yeah. Why am I? Can I get some friends in? Or? <laughs> no, that's, it's, that's totally sold out, the first one. There's not many left for the second one. So if you're hearing this now, I'd go and get them because there's about 20 tickets left. This is at the Corner Hotel in Richmond. Oh. We, Mick, we even got the venue so you could walk to it. That, that's literally what we did. We got a map and we went, how can we <laughs> the make this? pub to mix house. Yeah, so the Corn Hotel. Now, we would like to do this in other states or down the track. So people don't write to us saying nah. we are mindful, but we just thought it's too much of a stretch to get Mick to leave Richmond in for the first time. Well, lap. if you've got a good pub near your place <laughs> where we could do a – uh, most of those tickets went to our members, of course, who snapped That's them right. Up. They got the first oh, they chance. Got first dibs. Just one yeah. of the benefits of being one of our members. This doesn't give me a lot of time to prepare. You're known for your prep for these apps. And what's the format? Well, we're going to get up and do the live podcast. Are we? we? might even have guests. That's oh, another that's thing we We might even do a Q&A. There's lots of things we're sort of thinking for it. So. Who will be a good guest for us? Oh, there's so many. I think uh, Joe, Joe Hockey. Joe Hockey. I don't. I just, just Matt I, Preston. Str- strangely, that was the first name that came <laughs> that's to my the mind. Fir- that's who's on your mind. <laughs> Do you know? I spent uh, sidebar. I spent 
the American election where Trump was elected yeah. ended up with me and Joe Hockey sitting on a couch in the Australian embassy in Washington smoking a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that night ended when Trump won. I went to the Australian embassy to watch the election. They had a big party plan yeah. and no one saw it coming. No, everyone and thought that no wasn't going to happen. Saw, and it was all over quick sticks. And I couldn't get into the embassy because I didn't have any ID. So Joe Hockey had to ring down and go, he's with me. Did you say, do you know who I am? I did. And I made this <laughs> circular motion around my face. This is my pass. <laughs> I've got diplomatic immunity. <laughs> <laughs> in a number of countries. You're the one person that could tell any story to me and at the end go, and uh, at the end of the night it was just me and, and yeah. insert almost any name <laughs> in the world into that next bit and I'd go, oh, yeah. Mm, you know, like it, it wouldn't matter who, politician, yeah. movie star, whatever. Boutros, Boutros, garlic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just straight away, you, your life. If our members would know, yeah, sure. and we're going to stop this waffle in a second and get into the extra episode, yeah. but my, the members would remember uh, in one of the bonus episodes you told the wonderful story, and this shows that your life goes wherever it goes, is once you were walking back from the city after a night out on the tiles <laughs> and slept in Captain Cook's cottage Look, for the night. I'm going to be honest, I'd had a couple. <laughs> and it was the closest <laughs> place. And I, as I said, those beds are small. Yeah, but you they said had that. Tiny, the tiny house, but the bed, like my ankles are right over the edge of that thing. And here's a tip, get out before dawn. This is like course. a nightmarish version of Goldilocks. <laughs> this bed was too small. All right, now, <laughs> now let's get in it. What do you come back with? So this episode, and I think it's going to be a two-parter, this episode is the one I get asked to do more, more than any other episode, the topic I get asked, Famous. when are you and Mick doing this? This is... I, I've literally been stopped in the street a few times by people who say, I love the podcast, are you going to do this? Yes. And if you're in Australia, you will know this story. There's so much more to it than anyone ever realises. Yeah. And if you're in overseas, just know this is a bonkers Australian racing story. Buckle up. It's about a horse called Fine Cotton. The Fine Cotton Affair. Fine. It's often called the Fine Cotton Scandal or the Fine Cotton Affair. Yes. You'd argue in Australian history there's two racehorses that are more famous than any other racehorses. That is Fine Cotton and yes. Farlap. And Farlap. They're known for the complete opposite, opposite reasons. <laughs> Farlap came along the Depression, won everything, uh, was a hero to the nation. The hopes of a nation. Everyone right, bet right, on him and won right. lots of money at the hardest time and, yes. you know, is one of the greats. Fine Cotton, he is set against a totally different world to the Depression in Australia. He's set against the corrupt world of Queensland in the 1980s. At the height of their corruption and yeah. that's saying something. Yeah, this is saying something. So think of you hear these stories of America in the Prohibition that all like Chicago down south. Or, or, yeah, you know, know, you know. It's a very freewheeling. Everyone is corrupt. Everyone is in on the grift. Yeah. To set this up, Fine Cotton was a terrible racehorse, you know, <laughs> but that didn't stop a lot of things happening around it. So Queensland at the time, and I think it's worth setting this because if you were born in the 90s, you probably don't realise how big this was or if you're over overseas. From 1987 to 89, the inquiry into possible illegal activities and associated police misconduct inquiry, which became known as the Fitzgerald inquiry because Tony yes. Fitzgerald was the guy that did it. So this happens after Fine Cotton, but it shows you the world yes. that Fine Cotton was operating in. It was this huge inquiry ran for two years and it looked at who was corrupt in the Queensland state as a whole, not just any one area, and basically found out the police force to the very top <laughs> and the political thing to the very top, which to the Premier, which yeah. is Joe Bielke-Peterson, equivalent of a governor in America, think of it like that, yeah. were all in on widespread organised corruption oh, yeah. in arm in arms with criminals. Drug dealers, prostitution rings, and in a huge way, the illegal bookmakers, the illegal bookies. Who was the minister for police? Was this Russ Hins? Yeah, Russ Hins was the one. So you had Terry Lewis was the police commissioner. Yeah. He eventually went to jail and got his uh, knighthood stripped and was found to be just like completely corrupt. After the Fitzgerald inquiry, he got arrested and everything. The assistant commissioner, Graham Parker, he testified to get immunity and been, he'd taken $130,000 in bribes. Yes. That's what they knew about that he admitted to. 
He was the one that tipped Terry Lewis, his boss in, has also been. Things. <laughs> Three government ministers, Don Lane, Brian Austin and Leisha Harvey, all ended up serving jail time. Wow. Russ Hins, he died of criminal charges before he could go to court. But he was found to be the centre of $4.40 million worth of loans, gifts, benefits and payments all from different people. There was way more. Tony Fitzgerald, who looked did this inquiry, described the inquiry as trying to empty the Brisbane River with a rusty bucket, saying I didn't even get yeah. touch the sides of everything going on in this sure. place. The Premier, Joe Bielke-Peterson, who oversaw all this, he fronted the inquiry and in the inquiry he refused to resign for ages. He eventually did. He was voted out by his colleagues in the end. <laughs> he finally appeared and in his first two hours of being cross-examined, he claimed memory lapses 39 times. Like, I can't recall, I can't yeah, recall. Yeah, he I finally can. admitted to taking large cash donations from a bunch of people. He did a whole bunch of things. So you've got all this stuff going on. He actually got sent to trial for perjury for lying to this inquiry and it was a mistrial. Two of the jurors refused to find him guilty. It was found out later that one of them, a guy called Luke Shaw, was a member of the Friends of Joe movement. Oh, my God. So he was like a Joe Bielgerson. To the very end. To the very end. He said when Flo Bielgerson, Joe's wife, got asked about, can you believe Luke Shaw was on the jury? That seems a bit corrupt. She said that she believed it showed that the hand of God was working in John's case with Luke Shaw being there at exactly the right time. Yeah, like it was, it was all just, he didn't declare divine this. Intervention. Made a good pumpkin scone. Was that what she was That was she for? was famous he for. He was a peanut farmer from King Arroyo. That's how they <laughs> sold it. That sold the it. Old like, Joe, you're in Joe's country. Simple folk. Oh, yeah. But really they were up to their necks in it. That's the backdrop this is all occurring in, yeah. what's going to happen. And you've got to understand that that all becomes very important. Yes, so where we start with this, and let's start with the guy that basically put what is going to become known as like the scam, the fine yeah. cotton scandal. His name is John Gillespie. His nickname is The Phantom. <laughs> They've all got That's to... a good nickname. He's a serial con man when we joined him in the early 80s, right? He's Does old... he already have form? He's got he... 200 convictions for very... <laughs> Let's consider that a resume. Yeah, so he's he's been in jail. But also he's got check forging, forging all sorts of documents. <laughs> it's um, scamming people out of money. He right. just does everything. He's a total basically sociopath. He has no empathy for anyone, right. right? It's if I can take money off you, I'll take money off you. Sure. The only thing he'd ever done that wasn't a scam is he once attempted armed robbery. And this is back when armed robbery was big in the 80s. The sure. security wasn't like it was. It wasn't normal. He tried it once. His armed robbery happened. He came out of the bank with the money. He tripped and the money all flew out of the bag and the wind picked it up and it was like a hurricane of money. And people came from everywhere to grab the money. Okay. <laughs> and the police find him lying on the ground after he tripped trying to pick up all the money Damn. and all the people have grabbed it and they only got 10% of the money back. <laughs> the public grabbed all of it, right? Even the general public's corrupt. Corrupt up there, yeah. At that time in Queensland. In 1982 where we join him, he's in prison, in Boggo Road Prison, which a is... Very famous jail. Yeah, how would you describe that to someone as not... Oh, as, it not, wasn't flash. There was no mint on the pillow. No. There, in fact, I think he, they used to have to... Uh, I hate to say it, but shit in a can and... Yeah, they Just did. They had it, it, they, there were the no front. toilets. You had a bucket and you had to mop it out in the morning. It came in handy if you were bronzing up, <laughs> which is a, a practice that <laughs> sometimes. But it was rough, most violent criminals, violent guards, and yeah. it was Spartan would be how I'd describe it. It was a real estate agent. <laughs> a renovator's um, dream. A renovator's dream. And it was called Boggo Road was yeah. – Boggo wasn't an abbreviation. It was just actually called Boggo Road. Yeah. So Gillespie, he's in Boggo Road in 1982 for using forged bank checks to buy opals from Lightning Ridge miners. <laughs> so he's into everything, right? Yeah, he's, he's had a crack. He's thinking about a scheme that he's been trying – well, he's got time to think in prison. He's thinking about a scheme that he's been trying to pull off for some time. Are you telling me this, the fine cotton affair was hatched in Boggo in Road, the, yeah, oh, Boggo Road. Is, yeah, in yeah. Boggo Road prison. He's been thinking about this scam which is known as a ringer. A ringer is when you swap a horse for another one in a race. Mm -hmm. And usually what you've got, if you've got a very bad horse and everyone thinks 
the bad horse is running Incredibly and you swap good. it for a horse that looks very similar but is really good. Don't do it the other way around. Yeah, don't do it the other way around. <laughs> the odds become really good because everyone thinks it's a terrible horse. Yeah. You put a lot of money on and it. you know it. Knowing I've actually got a horse in the race that's ten times better than I'm surprised other. this doesn't happen more often because it's ho- been horses tried. look the same to me. It's, yeah, it's been tried time and time again. They all Unless it's same. a Shetland, I'm not yeah. going to ping. <laughs> so he's been thinking about doing this now. He's almost pulled off this scheme before. Yeah. So this to him is not a new scheme. This is a scheme that he's tried before. Um, the thing about it is like all these scams, betting scams, the hard bit is putting, getting the money to finance it because you've got to buy horses and yeah, all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah. And then you've also got to put the money on to bet, right? Yep. You need lots of money to bet at the long odds, right? And there's got to be a small circle of people who have to be in on it. In on right. it, right. Yeah, yeah, it takes a bit of so that's the thing. So he's tried to do it before. Now, when he tried to do it before, he approached a criminal in Sydney called George Freeman, who is famous. He wore white suits. Yes. Sort of seen as debonair in a way. King's Cross. King's Cross, the you know, nightclubs, every... prostitution. Yeah. He was involved in the legal gambling, the drug trade. So he was the Mr. Big, he was called the Pope. Of Sydney. Yes. He was so powerful and he wore the white suits all the time. He was linked to the Sydney drug trade from the 70s and 80s. He was named in several royal commissions into organised crime. Yes. Had links to the mafia in America. So New yes. York and all that was mafia. He served several prison terms for theft between 1951 and 68. But then he just never went to jail again. He was so clever compared to every other. He always grim. kept it at arm's length. Arm's yeah. length. So Freeman's at home once and Gillespie gets a meeting with him. Gillespie has this massive comment and says, I want to swap a horse for another horse. I want to do this. And Freeman is so connected. He's connected to Roger Rogerson, who's the corrupt New South Wales cop who passed away fairly yes. recently. Um, yep. He was close to Nettie Smith, who was sort of a violent criminal, and Chris Flannery, Mr. Rent-A-Kill. And some <laughs> of these names will come up in this scam. <laughs> Gillespie goes to him and says, I need this money. Would you be interested in being the money behind this? Sure. Right, I'll execute the scam. I'll get my cut, but you'll make money. Now, Freeman's so smart. He sees a bloke like Gillespie coming a mile off. Yes. And he, he knows. <laughs> this guy gets caught a lot. <laughs> he's, he's, he's seen the rap sheet. He's seen yeah. the rap. He knows, right? So he's like, he declines and he says, look, all the best with that, but yeah. I won't be your Mr. Big behind it. Sure. Right? But he files Gillespie's name away. Okay. He's got a steel trap mine. He goes, oh. I'll remember you, right? I'm not going to invest in you, but I'll remember you. Yeah. Now, this is where the mystery of fine cotton starts. A lot of people don't realise that fine cotton is still a, got a bit of a mystery going on. Sure. Gillespie manages to find, and this isn't the fine cotton scan. This is when he's early trying to get a ring in up. Mm. Someone is giving Gillespie the money. Because a horse might be $20,000, right? Gillespie's like a low-level con man. Yeah. You, know, you need a backer. You need a backer. Yeah, so we know that it's almost certain Gillespie had a backer. But to this day, we don't really know really? who this is. Well, there's people that will claim it and we'll get into who the people people say it is and that. But they're all con men and criminals. So it's hard to know. And I know that people out there do know who it was. Oh, this is- and one day we might know and we're going to get into who it could be and people can then draw their own. Are, you, are we allowed to do a Well, no, list? I'm not going to say who it is because I don't know who it is and so we're not accusing anyone. But can anyone. we have a short list? Well, we'll get into this as this will unfold and you'll start to, you know. He gets the money for this first one and this is before he's in jail and he replaces a horse called Manasong with another horse that's better called Apprentice Air. And the scheme's ready to go. He's got the money. He's got the horse. He's got a bad horse with his manor song and he's got this good horse that's apparent air and they look very similar. Right. And word gets out that this fixes in. So the odds for manor song, which didn't, wasn't actually running, <laughs> but the horse that was the, the – it goes from 66 to 1 to 5 to 2. <laughs> okay. Well, there's a there's Word's a got flag. out. The ring is on, right? Now, the thing is he actually pulls this scam off no one ever catches this as originally in that he gets it to race. No one picks it up as the race happens, right? The problem is a parent heir that's the ringer, the one he swapped in, the good horse, goes so badly it comes eighth. 
This is which hilarious. means you don't make any money. You've, it, the whole idea is the ringer has to win. And right? this is the vagaries of racing. That, like you're not guaranteed. Not just because the horse is better, but there's a million things. He could get bitten by a snake yeah. halfway up the straight. That's right. There's just no guarantee. This is the problem. Having done everything and organised everything, yeah. when the guy goes racing, yeah. you are now powerless. You're now powerless. Well, power, apart yeah. from the jockeys. That's right. The idea is you've got such a good horse it should be several grades ahead and win. But this, so the, he stuffs this up. This red hates. Everyone, yeah, didn't it? So it's not even like. I'll get on it next start. Yeah. Everyone loses their money. All well, the people have bet on it. Well, everything. That's big trouble for and that's him. That's him. Now the inquiry finds no one wants to really find everyone because it's Queensland. It's corrupt. But Manasong's trainers warned off racetracks for life. They say the term "warned off." It means you're basically banned from racing by the yeah. racing authorities. You're not so, allowed on course. Yeah, the trainer is warned off racetrack for life. Gillespie sneaks away, Does. doesn't get caught. So he's like, "I was so close to pulling this scam off, and I just got the wrong horse." Yeah, came eighth. So he tries again. He buys another horse called Captain Cadet. And it had been a good racehorse, but it's past it. And the idea is he's got to find a better horse. That looks like Captain Cadet. Yeah. And um, at this point, he's call- Gillespie's calling himself John Chandler. Because we- we'll just call him Gillespie all the way through, but he changes his name right. like a bit. Gillespie's charmed this woman called Wendy Smith, who'd been an amateur jockey and a hobby trainer, and she trains a few horses at Coffs Harbour. And she is a clean skin. She's not dodgy. But he has hooked up with her and charmed it. And she just loves horses and she thinks Gillespie's on the level. And he shows up and says, I've got this horse, Captain Cadet. I paid 20 grand for it. Could you train it? And she thinks, this is all my dreams come true. Like, you know, a big horse and, you know, this is great. So he he drops it off to her. But it shows you that he's got money to buy these horse, right? That someone's behind this. Now, at this point, Gillespie gets done for the forged checks and the opal buying. <laughs> so he's suddenly in jail. He's got Captain Cadet at Wendy's farm. The original Captain Cadet. The original. He hasn't yeah. bought a ringer at this right. stage. And he's sitting there. He's got this scheme on his mind. And he meets a low-level jockey who's in jail as well. Where they all should be. Yeah. <laughs> Called Pat Haitana. Now, Pat tells him while they're sitting chatting and all this, says, oh, my brother, Hayden, Hayden Haitana, is a trainer in Coffs Harbour and Gillespie thinks, well, that could come in very handy. Right. Because Wendy's sort of not a proper trainer but she can train but this guy's got his trainer's licence, this guy Hayden Haitana. He thinks, I might like to meet this Hayden Haitana when I get out of jail. Right. So finally Gillespie gets out in early 1984 and he discovers that Captain Cadet by this point is legs are no, no longer up to racing. Sure. He doesn't have a thing so he decides I've got to start again from scratch. He goes and meets Hayden Haitana. Now, Hayden Haitana is from New Zealand and he'd moved over. He'd been in jail in New Zealand for stealing chainsaws. (laughs) (laughs) That old one. (laughs) That old trick. Um, He'd been very attractive to the Gold Coast because he thought it was glamorous. Moved over. But by the time in the early 80s, he's ended up training horses outside Coffs Harbour in New South Wales, mainly for bush races. So he was known as a decent enough bushy trainer. Yeah. Big drinker, loved beer, very unhealthy, smoking, sure. eating badly, all that sort of stuff. I like the guy. I would call him as a, a simple man. <laughs> likes the, you know, yeah, likes a punt, yeah, likes a drink, yeah, likes sure. some food. He's got a bit of knowledge of getting a long shot up. Now, often he does that by injecting it with amphetamines. We <laughs> should point out this practice is not uncommon. <laughs> no, but that's his like secret trick. Yeah, all right. So Gillespie meets him, says, I met your brother Pat in jail. Pat's now out. They all meet together, have a few drinks. He says, I want to do this scheme of a ringer. Yeah. He hints Gillespie at big money down Sydney is funding this scheme. So I've got big people behind me. Haitana right. is in. <laughs> it didn't take long for Haitana. Yeah, Gillespie also says, this being Queensland, I've also got the police in on it. And I've also got racing stewards in on it as well. Yes. All right. right. That's important. And Gillespie also says, I've got a printer who can print fake documents that look exact so I can get racing certificates done on ownership papers that will pass any check. And he is correct. He does have this connection. Yes. With Gillespie, you never know if he's telling the truth. Did he have the police in on it? Did he have the stewards on it at this time or does he? 
we're going to get into the merging world with Gillespie. He's an absolute common. You can never believe what he says. But to Haitana, this sounds like, well, it's all sewn up. The cops are in on it, which is very believable in Queensland. The stewards are in on it. Everyone's in on it. All I've got to do is train this and I get a good payday, right? So he's in. So the following month, Gillespie finds a horse he thinks is a good horse and it's a sprinter named Dashing Solitaire and he buys it for 10K. Now, this is going to be the horse he uses as the ringer. So he actually buys the, the ringer. The $10,000 horse is the good horse. The good horse. Because you've got to remember they're targeting rural, rural or, or low-level not good races. They're not targeting the Melbourne Cup. So I wouldn't one. mind maybe spending a bit more on the Well, it's a much easier. So it is one. It's a chocolate brown five-year-old. It's won two group two wins in Sydney and Melbourne. So okay. it's not a great no, race horse, but it's not, that's, that's not, it's not bad. That. He has the horse sent to Wendy Smith's stables in Coff Harbour. So he's got the horse. Yeah. He's got that there. She hadn't seen him for ages when he shows up with this horse, Wendy. <laughs> And she's a bit annoyed with him. She doesn't know he's been in jail and that's why she hasn't seen him. Okay. He's also changed his name from John Chandler to John Gillespie at this stage, which is his original name. All right. So there'd been a bit of a romantic element to their relationship. So she's genuinely missed. Well, of course she's pissed now. Yeah. Where have you been? Yeah. So she says, where have Jail's you been? Jail's almost the best answer. <laughs> well, you know, he doesn't you know say I mean? jail. <laughs> You'd be shocked he didn't say jail. Yeah. Do you know what he said? He said he'd been working undercover for the Queensland police. <laughs> Hence the fake name and being away. So he doesn't say I was in Bogo Road. Yeah, Well done, Gillespie. And he says, I want you to – Captain Cadet's obviously no good, but here's a new horse dashing solitaire. And she goes, well, it's a group two horse. This is quite an honour. I love horses. He says, you need to get ready to race at Eagle Farm, which is in Brisbane, famous racetrack in Australia, in August in 984. I want you to race. That's where we're targeting. Yep. And she says, great. She doesn't know there's a ring in or another horse or anything. She just knows that she's got this one horse dashing solitaire. So the first bit's in place. He then needs to go and find a bad horse that they're going to swap dashing solitaire for that looks like dashing solitaire. Yeah. So two weeks later after he's bought dashing solitaire, he stumbles across this horse that looks almost identical to dashing solitaire. It's like uncanny. And it's owned by this elderly couple who are selling it. The horse is eight years old. Got same marking, same colour, everything. It had raced a little bit in country meets. Yes. And that was it. It's really due at eight years old to be retired and do no more racing, sure. right? Yeah. It's also been born the same week as Dashing Solitaire. Mm. So it's got one of the three marks every racehorse has is the same. So in cursory glance, it looks very similar sure. from the markings on it because, you know. Mm-hmm. So he he says to this elderly couple, I love this horse. I'm buying a horse for my wife, just one to have in the family. Um, and she would just love this horse. Yeah. And I'll offer you $2,000. Well, they can't believe their luck because horses cost a fortune to keep. So, you yeah, know, you, you, they can't believe, they don't think it's even worth $2,000. So they're like, great. Sold. And they say, yes. And so he's got, right, I've got the horse that's going to be the public one that everyone thinks is racing. Yes. Dashing Solitaire will be a ring in for. Sure. And he asks, what's the name of the horse? And they say, Fine Cotton. And he says, I, my wife's going to love this. He doesn't even have a wife, right? Fine cotton. So now he's got fine cotton, which is the bad horse. Yes. And he's got dashing solitaire, which is the one that's going to be swapped. And they look identical. And when you say look identical, what are we talking here? They're both sort of a brown colour. They're both brown gelding, similar size, yes. white marks on their hind legs yep. down around sort of their ankles. And everyone's shocked. If you put them together, it's hard to tell. Sure. So the plan is working beautifully. He drops fine cotton off to Haitana and says, get this horse ready to race because the, this is now they're in the next phase. So Haitana's got fine cotton. And Wendy Smith has got, got the other. Dashing Solitaire. Dash, dashing Solitaire, which will be racing, racing as it, fine cotton. Yeah, and they only need to race it, get it ready for the race at Eagle Farm in August, which is the one they're going to target to do the swap. But before that, they want to make sure that fine cotton is known in Queensland and put it, so they start entering it in races. Right. People get comfortable with the Stewards idea. Stewards get to know it. Punters get to know it. Bookies get to know it. Everyone knows that there's this horse fine cotton that races. And, and it's they, not great. And they get to know that it's rubbish. <laughs> 
It's the important bit. That's the important bit. You don't. Is, you want everyone to think this horse is terrible. Yeah, this right? horse looks like chain smokes. Yeah, but yeah, this, like it is no good. It's, it's got, it's no got a good. wheezy. It's, yeah, it's got an odd cough. It's got a pot belly. It's just not. It's not. It's not up to it. So Hitata gets the horse in a racing shape, but not you yeah. know. And they start racing around Queensland. It does terribly. It's eight years old. It's not very good. It turns nine as they're racing it around Queensland, right? Most horses aren't. Hatan actually loves horses, is actually at his heart, despite being a bit yeah. dodgy in many ways, actually does care for the horse. Sure. And him and Gillespie start fighting. Gillespie's saying, race it almost every week. I, I want it to race. I want everyone to know that it, what it is and how bad it is and to be like, this horse has raced so much, yeah. it's not going to be good. Hatana's like, it's not actually not good for the horse to race it this much. And they start to have arguments. arguments. Gillespie couldn't care less. He's like, couldn't he doesn't care about people. He, yeah. He's not going to care about a horse, right? He couldn't care less. As a nine-year-old, and they're doing <laughs> this, it has six starts in eighteen days. And what's it starting at? Can I ask? Oh, it's what, getting it's, it's getting like getting it's, it's odds are like twenty to one. It's getting like longer and longer all the time. Right? So. And these are in bad races. It's at twenty <laughs> to one, right? These are in when no other horse is good either, right? In his final race before they attempt to do the swap, yes. At Doombin on a Wednesday meeting on the 8th of August, 1984, he starts at 20 to 1. He runs 10th in a field of 12th, right? Yeah. So it's all set up, right? It's all like yeah. uh, they've, they've got the good horse. Fine cotton looks terrible and stinks. Everyone knows that fine cotton's a terrible <laughs> racehorse. And the next race is going to be this one at Eagle Farm in August. No one's tipping fine cotton. No one is going to bet. The odds are going to be long on the day. So around this time, Hatana becomes aware that, that there's other people involved in this scam on a, um, not the Mr. Biggs behind it, yes. but on a local level right. of helping, moving horses around and all this stuff. A man named Robert North, who is a businessman, he was more a socialite. He would have been an Instagram guy now. <laughs> He's a bit of a dandy, a bit of like family's right. quite well known, very well off in Queen in Brisbane. What's his role? What's he bringing to the table? He's just helping with logistics, moving things around, talking to people, all that right. sort of stuff. Another man called John Dixon, who's a salesman, is also involved very much just like fetching things, doing things and all that sort of stuff. But this makes Haitana a bit nervous because you didn't know that all these other people are even involved, right? This is the problem. Yeah. So the race day approaches and Gillespie shows up at Wendy's and says, I need to take Dashing Solitaire. And she's like, well, why are you taking him away from me? Like we've got the race. And he doesn't care. Even though they've been romantically linked, he's just like, Give it's over, that. I'm taking the horse, see you later, and just leaves her standing there. Wow. Very upset, sure. very not happy. He drops the horse at Haitana's place. So now you've got for the first time Dashing Solitaire and Fine Cotton are together and everyone is shocked at how similar they are. The confidence of the group is high. They're all going, this cannot not work. We've got everyone in on it that we need to have in on it, and we've got two identical horses. We've set it beautifully. Yeah. Dashing Solitaire for the race they're targeting is like three or four grades above. It is like can't not win. At Eagle Farm. At Eagle Farm. Yeah. This is where it all starts to go a bit <laughs> pear-shaped. <laughs> all right, here we go. So the ring-in's planned for August 11, 1984. Two days out from the races, they're all ready to go. And at this point, it's very easy. It's just show up with Dashing Solitaire on the day instead of Fine Cotton, race it. Win. Yeah, That's win. all they have to do. There's nothing. Get out of there. They don't have Correct to weight. And we're done. And we're done. But two days before the race, a kangaroo jumps into Dashing Solitaire's paddock and spooks it. And it runs into a barbed wire fence and injures its legs quite badly. <laughs> so they all gather. Oh and Haitana says... It's been an incident, come around. They all come around and says, this horse can't run a race. And this is the one they need to run and yeah. win. It can't run. It's too injured. It's bleeding. Any steward's going to look at it and go, you can't race this horse. Even if they think it's fine cotton, they're not going to let it race. So clearly you call it off at this stage and you come back at a later date and reset. Yeah, that would be what you'd do. Haitana <laughs> says it's time to pull the plug on this whole thing. Yeah. Gillespie steps up and says, you can't. You can't pull the pin. <laughs> now, the thing here is, and this is the key bit, whenever I read most fine cotton stories, yes. not all, but most, what's to follow is a Coen Brothers-esque bumbling fools 
who didn't know when to give up story. Yeah. And yes. I'm sure you've heard that story yes. many times. But it's actually a way more interesting story. I've always wondered when I've looked at this story a few times before, why did they not at this point say no? Yeah. And why for what's going to happen in foreshadowing what's going to happen, <laughs> at multiple points surely you would just say abort. Abort. This isn't going to work. No. Now, Gillespie tells them that they can't because the people backing this are serious people. Like failure is not an option. They have put in tens yeah. of thousands of dollars probably into Gillespie's previous failed attempts too. Yes. And they want their money. And he says to them, and remember, Gillespie's a total con man, so I'm, I would suggest we don't take this with a grain of salt. This is what he tells them. He says, the guy backing this scheme is Mick Sayers. Now, Mick Sayers is a serious criminal from Melbourne who'd relocated to Sydney. Sayers was known for race rigging, illegal betting, and drug selling. Yep. And he was also a thief, a safe cracker. He's a good egg. And he'd become a contract killer with two confirmed hits. Okay. That's enough to frighten anyone, right, yes. if he's the guy backing it. And so Gillespie says Sayers is also very close friends with Chris Flannery. Now, <laughs> Mr. Rent-A-Kill. if you are in Australia, you know he's like probably the most famous hitman in Australian yeah. history. He ends up missing. No one to this day, people are like, it was either corrupt police yes. or the crib. Like there was such a long list of people who wanted him dead. But he was known as being not only a hitman but being bonkers. He used to, his party trick was he would, in a fight, he would bite a beer pot, a glass, and bite it till it cracked so his mouth was bleeding yeah. just to intimidate people, right? So a true... He would just wield a weapon in a pub. And yeah. He and was, he'd he, shoot anyone at a, if someone annoyed him. He, yeah. So he says, we got Mick Sayers backing this and he's mates with Chris Flannery. We need to figure out how to make this work. So yeah. this is a bit of a darker tale than this gets told. So of. if it's, that's true, it's... Wow. Yeah. And if it's not true. It's Gillespie pushing them on. Gillespie trying to make them feel it. Make them feel it's true. It could think. just be Gillespie's got so much money at stake on this. Yeah. Or owes it to Mick Sayers. That's the thing, like who owes all money and all that. And it's all shadows and lines. Mm. We won't pick this more. but So this threat makes the gang feel like we need a solution here. But what can we do? This horse is injured. But the reason they are so terrified is there's one man in the back of their mind after he tells them this, and that's a man called George Brown. Now, oh. George Brown was a small-time trainer out of Wollongong. Everyone says he was a bit of a nobody, a bit financially strapped because yeah. he was just a, he was one of those trainers that wasn't famous, lived on the edge of sure. financial stability. But all accounts a fairly decent guy, right? He was pressured by Sydney criminals to swap one of his horses called uh, Risley at a race meeting in Doomben in Brisbane on March 31st, 1984, so only like a few months earlier. The theory goes that he had second thoughts at the last minute that he thought they'd get caught and he did not make the switch. The bad horse runs. Runs and doesn't and win. And doesn't do well and it loses all the money for the backers. Wow, he's got some balls. On April 2nd, 1984, his body is found. Okay. He was only yeah. 38 time, was found inside a burnout Ford Falcon in the bush north of Wollongong. He died from head injuries inflicted prior to the sedan being set on fire. His legs were broken. His arm wasn't backwards. He'd been force-fed alcohol. So he'd been tortured and yeah. everything beforehand. That's occurred when the body is found. It's just four months before while these guys are talking. It's less than... Four months ago. I understand Gillespie's nervousness. They are all aware of this case. They know that this guy refused to go through with the ring in and was tortured and then killed in a terribly violent way. Yeah. So they are terrified. So rather than them being a bunch of hopeless amateurs, which they are. Their motivation. They're also scared yeah. and rightly so. So they, they feel like Gillespie's just stitched them up. He's burnt their boats. Yeah. They can't go back. They are stuck here. So they have to figure out what to do. Now, they keep talking. Dashing Solitaire, they say, well, Dashing Solitaire can't race, so we can't do that. So they push the race back to the week of the 18th of August, 1984. So that's all about, you know, they were doing the race on the 11th. Yeah. So they gave themselves one week. <laughs> Itana says, he says, why don't I just get fine cotton to actually run? 
but I'll dose it up with amphetamines because I've done it before and got long shots to win that way. So why don't we go that way? Gillespie thinks this is too risky. Yeah. Like it could work, but it's they need a guarantee. No, that's here. right. He know, you know. So Gillespie says, let's just get another horse that looks like fine cotton. And they say, okay. He says, I've got one in mind. It's called Bold Personality. It's on sale. I can go get the horse. We'll swap that fine cotton. So it will be the new ringer. And it's a good horse. It's a good horse. It's stabled down in New South Wales. It's owned by a well-regarded trainer who had no involvement with this. Yes. He was selling it, Bill Noun. He's put it up for sale. So all he is aware of is these people want to buy a horse. Sure. He's selling it. Fine. That's Paying his involvement, money. right? The one problem that Gillespie doesn't necessarily tell the group is bold personality is the wrong colour and the wrong markets. <laughs> It doesn't look anything like it. So the big thing about uh, a ringer is they need to look like each other, that's right? You're passing the whole one whole yeah. point. You don't turn up with two blokes in a pantomime horse costume and go, have a look at yeah, it. yeah, it's yeah. fine cotton. It's right. Even if the stewards and the police are all in on it, you gotta have the racing journalists and the crowd to be unaware, right? You know, like it takes so, one person to go, that's not yeah. the horse. It's like us doing this live show we're gonna do. Yeah. You get two people from Japan to front up and pretend to be us. So people right. are going to go, I don't think that's Mick Malloy and no, Diet so Riley. Like, kind of like you need to, if I was to host uh, an episode of MasterChef, I look a bit like Matt Preston. Yeah, but people are going to go. <laughs> Not enough. I can't do a Richard Clapton concert. No. <laughs> you I are. could go close. But. So Bold Business is the wrong colour, wrong markings. It's a year Younger, so none of the brands are the same at all as fine cottons on its body. Alarm bells are ringing. Yeah. They decide, though, it's just too late to be picky. They're going to have to sort this out some other way. So Gillespie assures the group that officials and the police are all sewn up, so there's still no need to worry because no one's going to check. They're all a bit like, mm, not sure about this. They arrange to buy the horse for $20,000 and the plans to race the horse on Saturday before the check clears on Monday. <laughs> so they're even scamming. Oh, but the idea then is they'll have the money have, then for the winnings. For the winnings. So, but they figure that. This is being put together on the run, mate. It's starting to come apart. So they need to get bold personality to Queensland. For a stand in New South Wales, they need to get it up. <laughs> they think, who can do it? And Gillespie knows someone called Tommy Deluzio, who's an electrical engineer but it has no knowledge of horses. Tommy sounds like he knows what he's doing. He says, Tommy... Rings him and says, Tommy, I need you to go pick up this horse and drive it up. That's We'll pay you. That's the only job yeah. you need to do. And Tommy's like, great. He thinks Gillespie's a Mr. Big Businessman sure. and thinks this could lead to more opportunities. He doesn't want to disappoint Gillespie. So he says, sure, no problem. And Gillespie says, you still got your ute? Because he's got a big ute that can tow a horse trailer. Yeah. And he says, sure do. Yep. And he said, right, we'll go hire a horse float, attached to ute pick up this horse, hand the check over, bring it up to us. Easy job. Yeah. Deluzio or Tommy doesn't want to upset Gillespie, so he doesn't tell him that the ute is actually in the mechanics and doesn't work. <laughs> Instead, all he's got is a yellow Toyota Corolla E30. <laughs> a tiny car. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> he's got to pull the float up with a horse in the... He's going to pull uh, it up with a, a, a with a full horse and trailer behind this car with that the can Toyota barely. He he looks at it and goes, "It's got a tow bar though, so we should be fine." <laughs> oh man! But anyway, he gets it, goes down, and he meets the owner of this horse, Bill Nam, and says, "Here's the check for twenty k." Picking up the horse, Bill Nam looks at it and says, "I don't know if that's a great car to tow a horse and trailer. <laughs> I think you might struggle." He lies, Tommy, and says, I'm swapping it in town for a proper car. This is, yeah. I was on my just way. Just get it off the property. It just, yeah. So he takes the horse up. The minute he pulls out, he can feel the weight. Like he was struggling with the trailer, but now yeah. there's a full horse in there. Sure. It's it's struggling. He knows it's going to be a problem. And in the back, bold personality is not happy because it's suddenly with this man it's never met in a horse trailer. Because the horse is dirtied up. Tommy doesn't know anything about horses. So he goes and looks at the horse and wonders what to do. Tommy doesn't know anything about horses. So he's like, what can I do? He sees that there's a horse blanket in the float. He puts that over it and that calms bold personality down. And then Tommy thinks, oh, I'm okay at this. Horse whisperer. 
Tommy? Yeah, Horseman, yeah, he's basically Robert Redford in that movie. The only problem now is, and what Tommy hasn't thought through, is they're about to drive for hours and hours in the heat of a Queensland day sure. in a metal box and now the horse has a blanket over the top of it. <laughs> and it's a winter coat. Winter of course blanket. it is. It's attached to the back of a Toyota Corolla. Corolla, so it's a long trip. Which isn't going to enjoy the heat either, I imagine. No. So the horse quickly in the back starts to overheat. The trip takes forever. As every 50 k's, the radiator explodes and steam comes out. And Tommy has to pull over, wait for it to cool down, then pour litres of water into it. Put a blanket on the bottom. (laughs) Put another blanket over it and then takes off again. Right. I think he's like four hours late to them when they think he's meant to get there. Okay. When they finally arrive, the horse is badly dehydrated on the verge of collapse. It's not good. And the horse needs a vet to perform what they call a saline drench, which is where you get a tube, yeah. you put it down the horse's nose straight into their stomach and just pump saline or water in yeah. to rehydrate it really of fast. Course. You'd be surprised. Like, this is a delicate procedure. You I need to know so. what you're, you're yeah. doing, right? They're all furious at Tommy because they can see the car. Like, where the hell is your ute? You idiot. What have you done to all, yeah. cash cow? Haitana says... I can do the saline drench. I've done it before. Now, you're not really meant to if you're not a vet. It's frowned upon. They can't really go to a vet. No. They're in the middle of a criminal conspiracy. (laughs) So he gets a bit of garden hose. Okay, yeah. Puts it down the horse's nose. The horse is not happy but manages to do that. Pumps the stomach full of water. But then as he's pulling the garden hose out, the horse gets a blood vessel burst in its nose and is bleeding a lot from its mouth and nose. Which, which is, is not good. Bad for racehorses. If yeah. you've shown in, if you've bled in the last month, you can't race you're as a scratched. horse, right? Yeah. And the horse is not happy. Haitana decides the best thing to do is like when you've got a nosebleed, you tilt your head back, you tilt your head up and back. So he ties the head to the rafter to tilt it back. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. And the bleeding does stop. This horse is traumatised. And the water that this horse has got has made it a lot better in terms of the dehydration's no longer an issue. But it's not a happy horse. No, I can understand that. <laughs> it has been picked up, driven in this hot box, dehydrated, had a hose put down its nose. It's currently got two wads of tissues up to, its nostrils. Yeah, it's tied to the rafters tied, so its head's yeah. tilt back and it's not happy. But stop bleeding so its health is no longer in dire straits. Right. The next bit though, is they need to turn their mind to the fact it looks nothing like fine cotton. Yeah. And the race is the next day. <laughs> this is the most half-assed, I'm aware that it's tough. But, but still. still. Call it off, guys. Let's reset, regroup. They've got a horse that's gone through hell. Yeah. Had the worst probably day of its life. Sure. It's getting into like six, seven o'clock. And let's not forget, it looks nothing like. And it looks nothing like it. So they now are all drinking heavily and smoking. I can't do it. They're just drinking yeah. stubby after stubby. And yeah. now that the horse has calmed down a bit and is, is going to be okay, although not happy, they start to say, what are we going to do? So Fine Cotton's a brown gelding, has white markings and hind legs. Bold personalities, a bay gelding with no markings whatsoever. Gillespie, while they're all sitting there, says, I've got the perfect solution. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, what's that? We will dye the horse the right colour. Okay. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> We're going to paint a horse? We're going to dye this horse the right colour. The men will die. Is this even possible? Mm. And Gillespie, he's a con man for a reason. Con man short for confidence man and he has all the confidence in the world, right? He says, you guys look after the horse because you've been doing a great job so far. Yes. You look after the horse. I'm going into town. I'll see you in a few hours. He takes off. He goes in and finds a chemist. He approaches a woman working there and goes, where's your hair dye section? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes. He says, oh, me and my wife are going on a long trip and she sent me down here to get as much of her hair dye <laughs> as is possible. This is the worst, <laughs> worst thing in the history. She says, uh, okay, it's over here. Do you know what colour you need? And he says, I'll know it when I see it. <laughs> so they go to the section 
and he guesses what colour to get based yeah. off the photos of the women's hair dye products. Uh, the brand he buys is Clariol and he buys all the boxes. You know, they only got about six I'll have boxes. everything. Uh, yeah, of that colour. He, he buys like six boxes, yeah. everything they've got. Yeah. And brings it up to the counter and the woman says, that's a lot. Because <laughs> people don't usually buy six boxes. Like, right, well, remember, his wife's going on a long, long trip. trip. You know, that's his cover. He then proceeds to repeat this at about five other chemists. Normally it's for Sudafed or something. Yeah. You go shopping at chemists. Yeah, nah, exactly. There's a strange guy wandering around buying, buying all up the Clariol. I think it's like Clariol brown number four or something. In a particular car. Okay. So he gets back to the house and the horse is much improved now. It's no longer That's got its is. head tied to the rafters and all this sort of stuff. They get buckets and gloves and a hose and they start to wet the horse down. The horse is going, What's the horse on? is just going, what's next? Like these. <laughs> and they begin to dye it. So they've got gloves, buckets, they're making up the dye in the buckets and then they're, they're dying, dying a horse that is going to be raced the next day. Yeah. They're drinking while they all do this. It's a good thing to do, though. Yeah. Now, it turns out it takes a really long time to dye a horse. We probably didn't know this. Before no, this. I didn't. No, I was unaware. I don't think anyone did because I don't think anyone had ever done it. <laughs> But by the end of the night, they've dyed it with this brown yeah. human hair dye. And it's been a difficult day. They've drunk a lot. Their nerves are high. The race is the next day. So we might wrap it up here before part two, but we'll just say. On the eve of the most infamous day in Australian racing, yes. you're going to leave us hanging. Well, we might just say, to leave it on the cliffhanger, <laughs> they all wake up the next morning, have a few breakfast beers. <laughs> And they say, well, let's go out and look at the horse yeah. and check the dye job, which, of which we finish in the wee hours of the morning. And now, it's, and now it's early in the morning. It's like 7 in the – like they're up early because they've got the – race people. Day. And it's race day that day. And they wander out and the horse is a different colour. Like the dye's worked. It's changed the colour of Fantastic. the horse. The only problem is it's now bright red. Now when I say bright red <laughs> – some of them describe it as the colour of a stop sign. <laughs> and others describe it as the colour of a fire engine. Oh. This is human hair dye. It's never been tested on working how it dyes a horse and how it's going to interact. They have no knowledge of how yeah. much you're meant to use or anything. Yes. So now these sleep-deprived, drunk, stressed blokes are standing around looking at a bright red horse <laughs> and thinking we've got to get this to race in a scam in just a few hours. And when we come back, oh, wow. we're going to get into what happens next. All right. I cannot wait. Thank you again. We're in it now. We're in we, it. Uh, I've already learnt more than I ever knew about this story. <laughs> Boy, uh, <laughs> buckle up, everybody. Here we go. Thank you, Titus O'Reilly. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. We had a lot of fun putting it together. If you're interested in more of Mick and I talking complete and utter nonsense, we have the Bizarre Plus members program. If you love Sports Bizarre, this gives you an extra weekly bonus podcast on top of the one you get anyway. You get access to all those previous bonus podcasts as well. You get a newsletter every fortnight. You get access to the chat room. You get the ability to vote on future episodes as well. And importantly, you get early access to any live shows we're doing. You get that before everyone else. If you're interested, the link is in the show notes. <laughs>